I'm going to uh, read some things that <clears throat> uh, came from our district. Uh, some of you may probably not know this. We're part of a district of churches. Well, we're actually part of a conference, which is uh, worldwide uh, of churches, but we're also part of a district of churches, which is all of Wisconsin and half of Upper Michigan. And uh, our uh, district uh, minister, the head uh, man of our district, was supposed to be here today for this, but uh, he was uh, not available. Uh, he had a conflict, uh, and so uh, I've been asked to do that. I was on our uh, board for, uh, we were talking about it last night, probably 12 to 16 years uh, for our district, and I was the chairman of that board for many of those years, and so uh, I guess I was picked because of that. So, uh, but I'm honored to be able to participate in this, uh, doing this. Um, I'm going to be uh, challenging all of you with some things, and when I do that, I, I would ask uh, at the end of it that you would, re that if you agree, that you would do these things that you would say we will. And uh, it's a commitment for us to support uh, Pastor Youngren, and uh, we, uh, I think we're super blessed to have him as our pastor, and I certainly agree with everything that is in in this challenge. So let me start with a couple of scriptures. First of all, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he is pleased. And it's, that means that all of us were placed here for a reason, for a purpose. Hebrews 10, 24, we are to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And one of the things that... Uh, it's so easy sometimes for us to forget the importance of being here in church together. But I have uh, found over the years that I, I see somebody and it just stimulates me to think uh, about something spiritual and good. Or I hear something that is said and uh, that doesn't happen when I'm at home. It's something that happens when I interact with, with you as the body here. And so uh, we are encouraged to be together because as a body, we grow and mature as we interact with one another. So I've got a, a few things that I'm going to ask uh, if you will agree with this, okay? So first of all, Bethel, Bethel Baptist Church, will you covenant to pray for Pastor Youngren and his family, uh, thanking God for his strengths and supporting him through his weaknesses? If so, say, we will. We will. That wasn't very convincing. Okay, next time, you know. Bethel Baptist Church, will you welcome Pastor Brock Youngren and his family into this community, this church, and your lives so that he becomes grafted into the fabric of this community? If so, please say, we will. We will. Oh, much better. Thank you. Didn't that feel better? That felt better. Okay, all right. <laughs> Bethel Baptist Church, will you follow Pastor Youngren and the elders as they seek to lead this congregation toward a God-honoring vision recognizing that they will give an account to God for the quality of that leadership. If so, please say, we will. We will. Bethel Baptist Church, will you let Pastor Youngren teach you from the scriptures and follow his example, knowing that there will be missteps along the way in both areas, and it will be your task to speak into his life from the word and by your example, believing that together God will sanctify you both. If so, please say, we will. We will. And now for a, a 
call of the pastor and his commitment from Acts 20, 27 to 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to the shepherd, I'm, yeah, to the shepherd, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And so that's quite a, a, a task. And, and pastor, uh, I'm grateful that you're here. Um, first Peter said, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not, uh, but eagerly, not, I'm sorry, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And so that's a, quite a challenge, isn't it, to be an example to the flock in, in all ways. And so, um, but I'm going to ask you uh, if you would commit to these. Will you commit faithfully to preach the whole counsel of God's inerrant word in season and out, without apology and without compromise, not shrinking to declare the whole counsel of God? If so, indicate I will. I will. <laughs> Pastor, will you commit to lead this church by being a personal example to this congregation, committed to a life of holiness, abstaining from all practices that may jeopardize your witness, and spending and being spent for pro, uh, proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? If so, indicate I will. I will. Will you determine to know nothing among this congregation but Jesus Christ and him crucified, not coming to them in persuasive words or human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that God might get all of the glory? If so, indicate I will. I will. Pastor Youngren, will you commit yourself to protecting and loving this congregation by praying fervently for those Christ purchased with his own blood and has now given you to shepherd in this church? If so, indicate, I will. I will. Will you desire to love this congregation as a loving mother cherishes her own children, imparting to them not only the gospel, but also your own life? If so, indicate, I will. I will. You have a lot more than we did. I know. Pastor, will you commit to be God's leader in your own home, teaching your family the things of God according to the scripture, by the word and deed and leading them to love Christ and his church? If so, reply, I will. I will. Okay. So it's an honor for me to have had this opportunity. I, I greatly uh, have learned to love and respect this man. I believe he really does love the Lord and love this church and God has definitely called you here, and uh, so you uh, will uh, be a wonderful pastor for us, and we look forward to the years ahead as you continue to minister to us. Thank Did you. Did you have anything you wanted to say? Yes. Um, just so we're clear, Ken's conflict was not with me. It was with scheduling. So that's all I had. <laughs> okay. And, and, and we also talked about the fact that he recognizes that these things are not easy. And I believe we as a congregation know they're not easy. And that's why we're committed to serve him and he is going to serve us and we're very grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Well, now it's my privilege to introduce uh, my friend and uh, former... Uh, co-worker here at Bethel as, as the pastor. This is Pastor Bob Donaldson, who was the senior pastor and brought me on staff here, which some of you probably think was a huge mistake, but 
Pastor Bob was a wonderful pastor here, uh, greatly loved and appreciated. And uh, uh, we are, yeah, amen. And we are really blessed to have you here today. So thank you for being here, brother. Thank you. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. There are some comments I'd like to make, kind of as a follow-up to the charge that you have just received and that uh, Brock has received. And I'm going to refer to him as Brock because I've been told that he prefers to be called Brock. That makes sense. Uh, he is your pastor. So if you feel you need to say Pastor Brock to remind yourself that he's your pastor, I'm sure he'll accept that likewise. But Brock, it's a delight to be here. Great time yesterday visiting with you and Allison over lunch. Thank you. Thank you. One other thing that I'm not scripted, and most of my stuff is scripted because I'm told I have 20 minutes. And the person that told me that is your music director. <clears throat> and I fear her because she's a lot like her mother. But I can't pass on Sandy Thompson. The Thompsons invited us to their house right after we arrived in September of, um, of 96. And <clears throat> there were a few other families with us, and I'm just gazing around in her home, and just before we had dinner, I noticed that in her china cabinet was a Santa Claus. And I said to Sandy, you have a Santa Claus in your house? And somebody said, let's pray. And they, they didn't hear what I said. Sandy heard what I said. We prayed. And nothing more was said about Santa Claus. Until uh, December 8th. That was my wife's 50th birthday of the same year. And I invited everybody from Bethel to come and, and share a surprise party for Mary, which is no surprise because I announced it in the morning service when she was present. <laughs> and Sandy came along with several others, and she came up to me after being there for a while, and she looked at me kind of like this. You said something to me about having a Santa Claus in my house. I have counted over 75 Santa Clauses in your house, and I'm sure there are still more. I said, oh, there are. Check with Mary. She knows exactly how many she has in her collection. I just wanted to let you know that you have the same interest that my wife had. I say all that to say, get acquainted with Brock and his wife, Allison, uh, the best way to really pray for somebody is to know them and get to know them. You've made promises about making them feel part of your community or church. My challenge overall to you is embrace them and adopt them. And I'll say more about that in a few moments. Back to my script. Philippians chapter 1. I want to read just the first couple of verses, uh, verse 3 through 5. And I can say this about you, what Paul said about them. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my request with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. When we left in 2003 to serve as an assistant pastor in a large church down in Peoria, Illinois, we didn't move all of us away. A big part of us stayed here. We are in a partnership with you, and that partnership has continued through the years. Uh, you have been a flock that I had the privilege to shepherd, and I still feel I have a, an obligation as well as a right to be here to remind you that you are a flock under God's care, but he gives you a pastor. I rejoice that the last pastor you've had was able to stay until he retired. 
that had been the plan that Mary and I had until I sensed God was asking us to do something else. I would love to see Brock and Allison retire here. I'm sure I won't be around to celebrate their retirement. I should be long gone by that time. But personally, and I say this with deep conviction, I believe that well before the end of my lifetime, Jesus Christ will have made his appearance to this world. And we need to be a people who are ready. And until then, we need to be a people who shine the light of the gospel. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. There's a partnership that you agreed to this morning, and Brock agreed to that likewise. You're being partnered together. I like to say at a wedding, you're no longer two, but, but one. I still got the two fingers there, but they're inseparably joined together. Well, you're inseparably joined together as pastor and people. That's a new relationship. It's a new partnership. And you work together. I wrote down my reminder that a partnership is an arrangement where parties known as business partners agree to cooperate to advance their mutual interest. You and Brock have become partners here at Bethel, agreeing to cooperate to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another way to say it is that you are teammates on the Bethel Jesus team. Praying, planning, practicing, and playing together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Embrace the present and the future. The present is now that you've called a new pastor. The future is what's yet ahead of you. I have no idea what all it holds, but I know what Paul goes on to say. Look at verse 4. Excuse me, verse, verse 6. And I am sure that he who began a good work in you will what? Bring it to completion in the day of Christ. It's going to continue. The good that's been going on will continue, but it's not always continued just as it has been. You have a new leader, a new pastor, a new shepherd. There will be new challenges that will come. In the world that we're living in today, believe me, there will be a lot of challenges. There's no question about that. Be prepared for them. And he tells us that we are to have a future. And in this dark world, it's a future. I want to take you to the passage that's uh, located for us, chapter 2 of Philippians. If you want to turn the page or if you're using your phone, follow with me over there. After going through a marvelous passage in those first uh, 11 verses, speaking of how Christ humbled himself, we've been singing of that today, Emmanuel, God with us, the eternal God, the creator of the universe, became one of those created beings, but formed by the Holy Spirit of God and the Virgin Mary. That he came as his humble servant, becoming us to make for us a way that we could know forgiveness of sins in eternal life. That's what he has done for us. And he did it by humbling himself. Paul in Philippians 2, the first few verses says, hey, if, if you have anything good from your relationship with Jesus Christ and the fellowship you have with the Holy Spirit, then live like Jesus lived. Consider others' interests more than your own. That's how we're supposed to live, humbly. After saying all of that, and how that someday every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father, verse 12 of Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, that's you, 
as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is what he wants to do as your future develops. Oh, with a warning. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. NIV reads complaining or arguing. We're living in a world today that is complaining and arguing constantly. They are grumbling and questioning everything and everybody. There's a great deal of lack in the government of our nation. There's a great deal of lack in the government and ruling powers of the world. And that's a setting for a false leader to arise, one that we term from Scripture an antichrist. I shared with Brock around the dinner table yesterday something I heard Warren Wiersbe say years ago. He said, it's a good thing for a ship to be in the water. It's a bad thing for water to be in the ship. It's a good thing for the church to be in the world. It's a bad thing for the world to be in the church. The culture that we live in must be lived, left outside these doors and outside the life of this church family. We are not to be complainers and grumblers. We are to be people who encourage and exhort and spur one another on to love and good deeds. You've already had that passage from Hebrews on the board this morning. That's how God wants us to live, spurring each other on like a teammates together. Because I was preaching this morning, I turned into Michigan State or Michigan University, Michigan football game off last night. I wanted to get a good night's rest. I woke up this morning to find out that they won. Your teammates pulling together. I asked Brock yesterday, how do, you, how do you perceive yourself? And he said, well, kind of like a coach in a football team. Well, coach or quarterback, either one. He's one that God has brought here in these times. I hope I never hear complaining or grumbling. If you've got complaints, if you've got some issues, the first person you go to is, what's his name? Brock. Let me say that again. If you have complaints and grumbling, uh, things you'd like to see that maybe just need to talk over with the pastor, you go to the person whose name is what? Brock. One more time, it's who? Brock. Because one of the things I've observed in over 50 years of doing pastoral ministry is that people don't like going to their pastor and suggesting that he might do something a little bit different way or, pastor, have you ever considered? But the scriptures tell us that it's our responsibility to go to somebody if they offend us or if they have a concern. We're to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Spur him on. He's got a whole bunch of energy, <laughs> which I'm delighted to see. I'm an old retired pastor. I don't have a whole lot of energy left, but I still have passion. So once again, who is it you go to if you need to tell the pastor about something that bothers you concerning him? Who do you go to? Brock. Thank you. Okay. Do all things then without grumbling or questioning that you may be, and here's what he wants you to be, blameless, innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. I read these verses as a blessing to you and as a challenge. Beware, be alert. 
Satan has a deadly target imposed on Bethel. Satan hates the partnership that you've just formed and will do everything to undermine it. Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us, Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. I believe that one of the things we're going to see in the next several months, the next several years, is going to continue. I'm watching it now altogether too much is the, the, the discouragement, the depression, the lack of, of comfort and counsel in the leaders in God's churches. If ever there's a time for, and I use a word that I'm passionate about, genuine spiritual revival and renewal, that's where we get hot and excited about Jesus. That's what we need. And to keep the world out. Satan will do everything he can to attack this congregation. And he'll huge target on the pastor. If we bring the pastor down, we're going to discourage a whole lot of people. If we can bring one of the elders down, discourage a whole lot of people. If we can bring you down, it'll discourage your pastor. So, resist the devil. Be aware. Be alert. But get your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's who we look to. Brock is your pastor. He's your shepherd. Your Savior, we've been singing about this morning, marvelous songs, your Savior, hallelujah! What a Savior! Keep your eyes fixed on him. I love this passage. I used to do some running. Uh, no, I didn't. I used to do some jogging. I participated in some marathons, finished all of them that I started. Uh, my knees gave me problems back then. I had to stop. But I, I love the passage from Hebrews chapter 12, following the 11th chapter of the Heroes of Faith, beginning with verse 1. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Long-distance race, advancing the gospel here at Bethel. Fixing, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We're in a long race. I was visiting with some of your older senior people who are here about the same age I am. I'm at 75. And we were commiserating about what our bodies felt like at this age and how hard it gets to be to do the things that we used to do so easily and so commonly. Uh, getting up from the chair. I like to get up and then stand for a bit to be sure that I'm really up and standing and the balance is there and then I take a few steps. I came up without a handrail. One of the things I've been really nervous about being here is coming up the steps, going down is worse. By the way, when I left here and went to a church in, in Peoria, Illinois, as I mentioned earlier, they had steps very similar to these, but there were about three more. And we were on television. And the first Sunday I was there, I was asked to lead in prayer and then come down afterwards. I led in prayer and I came down. I missed the bottom two steps and just about landed on the pastor's lap. It's only gotten worse since then. We have that problem as we age. One of the things I've realized the older I get is the more disciplined I need to be of keeping my eyes fixed 
on Jesus. That means I'm going to be hearing his word daily. Not as a pastor, but as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Finding my strength from him. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We put verses like that around our house to remind ourselves that even though our body is not so much fun anymore, Jesus Christ is a joy. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. One more specific command I want to give you, charge. Love Brock, Allison, and their children as your own. They are all in partnership with you. I see two boys in your row. I'm Sue is the two oldest ones. Okay. Welcome, guys. I just want you all to know that when I came, when we came um, and candidated, we brought our daughter Julie with us, who had just graduated from high school and was preparing to leave for college. A couple days after she left for college, we moved away from her hometown and came here. But I let it be known that uh, I had a daughter who was graduated now from high school and was mergeable material for the future. <laughs> and immediately, I think it was uh, Brian and Jeff Steed, and, and, and Jeff Marker, Brian Steed and Jeff Marker, Everybody turned and looked at those two guys, red faces. <laughs> we went to Promise Keepers a year or so later, and on the way back, I listened to the testimony of a young man who came with us, John Mata. And I said to John, I think that night on the bus, John, I do a little Bible study in the morning with a couple of guys your age on Sunday mornings before church. I'd like to invite you to come. And John came, and after several months went by, I made the mental note, I'd put John on the approved list as a potential. Potential. He didn't get past me yet. <laughs> <laughs> I have a vested interest in Bethel Baptist Church. This is where my daughter and son-in-law and their two children grew up and are attached. Julie loves the ministry that God has given her here. She loves you. Um, one of Brock's children may end up marrying one of your children someday. And that kind of makes you even more partners. So love them in a way that really welcomes them. And don't be afraid to introduce your children to them. <laughs> Hebrews, a book that would do a lot of good reading in, especially in these last days. Hebrews 13.1 says, Let brotherly love continue. John after he records what they did after they served the Lord's Last Supper, John 13, these words came. A new commandment I give you, Jesus said, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. What amazes me is how Jesus loves me. A totally human Broken human, sinful human, following confession of faith in Jesus Christ, I have failed in my walk with him time and time and time again, and he's loved me with an everlasting love. And he says, that's the same love I'm to love the people that I pastor and shepherd. Brock, remember that. But remember that he too is human. And he'll struggle. He even said that in the charge. Keep mindful of that. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. One of the things I want to hear about Bethel is, 
how much in love with each other you are, how much you love being part of this fellowship, how much you love the fellowship you have with others, how much you love working at getting along with some of the knuckleheads that are here. <laughs> Within the house of God, there are some of us that don't always behave the best. Our responsibility is to love them. If we really love them, we go to them and first of all, after praying for them, but then we might acknowledge to them that maybe there's something they could do to work on. How do they feel about it? But maybe you ought to give them a good meal before you do that. My wife received good counsel years ago, right after we were married. Is Bob, there's something you find out during the day that Bob needs to hear, needs to be told? Tell him when he comes home from work, after you fed him a really good supper. <laughs> Mary says that counsel works. Didn't say it was always easy, but it works. Submit to Brock's role as pastor. It was said in the challenge, but let me read Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls and those, who have to give an, those that have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning. That would be no advantage to them. I want Brock's ministry here to be a joy, a delight. Paul would say to the Philippian believers, if you follow along, in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I want you to be his joy. And you'll do that by submitting to his leadership. What submission means in that verse is given to us in Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 22, submit to one another. And then specifically, wives, submit to your husbands. He's the head, she's the body. The body's underneath, the head's above. They need each other. They're inseparably joined. For the head to do anything, he's got to have a good body underneath him. But the, the responsibility the wife has given is submit to your husband. And what it means to submit means to come underneath, to support, to encourage, to assist. You see what kind of a good job my body's doing for my head right now? It's underneath to support, encourage, and assist me. That's what I want you to do with Brock. Come underneath him to support, encourage, and assist. That's what scriptural submission speaks of for us to one another. My last main point, not my last before I close, but comes from Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to look first at, I'll read verse, verse 1 of chapter 3. Finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord. Then over in chapter 4, Paul finally gets around to being final. Verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say again, rejoice. So what do you think he really wanted them to do? Rejoice. Did you catch what he said here? He said, rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. What do you think Paul really wanted those people to do? Rejoice. One more time, please. Rejoice. He wants you to be a rejoicing congregation. He wants to give a blessing upon you as you're a joyful congregation. One of the things I'll tell you about a joyful congregation, they're like a magnet. People come and they say, Wow, they love one another. Well, they're really happy. They're really excited about Jesus. Hey, this would be a great place to bring our children. They're, they're, a, they're a joyful people. 16 times in that brief book, there's the word rejoice or rejoices or glad or joy. So I'm going to give you an assignment for the next 40 days. That's a time of testing. Read the book of Philippians through once a day. 
Mary and I did that for a summer. We were separated when we were dating in, high, in college. And uh, pretty serious at that time, but we promised that we would read through the book before write a letter or send a letter. We'd read through the book. I read through the book lots of times when I got a letter from Mary. Mary didn't have to read before she got a letter from me very often. She was a much better letter writer than I was. But because she's sending so many letters, she read through Philippians many times. Philippians is probably the book that we've shared the most through the years with each other. It's a joyful book. We celebrate 54 years of marriage on the 7th of December. Oh, that's just in a couple days. And it just gets better. So read. That's your assignment. Read Philippians through daily for 40 days. And there's a blessing I want to pronounce on you. You can keep your eyes open. I'm going to look at the text because I want to get it exactly right. It closes with the book of Hebrews in chapter 13. This is my heart. Cry for you. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.